So yesterday was Thanksgiving here in the U.S., and many of us have a refrigerator full of leftovers. I hope that's the case for you. And uh, we had time with family and friends. It's usually a very rich time for us. And now that uh, we've turned the corner officially into the Christmas season, time to put lights up and decorations. That's what I do after Thanksgiving. Uh, We do want to celebrate the Christmas season with you, and we're so glad that you've joined us for another episode of Season 6 of the Christmas Stories Podcast. In the studio with me are Lisa Anderson, Diane Angolia, and Paul Batura. I'm John Fuller, and out of curiosity, I'm going to ask you all about Black Friday, but first, this editorial that many, many years ago when we were pinching pennies, Black Friday meant something. It's like, I'm really on a budget, but my kids have gotten to a point where they don't want expensive gifts. And they don't do any Black Friday shopping. And I've gotten to a point where I'm sort of feeling like, well, why would I want to do that? So I avoid Black Friday with a rare exception. And sure enough, I'm sure today I'll go violate that principle. Lisa, do you have any thoughts about the, the matter of Black Friday? Well, my thing is... Which started did, like a week ago, I think. Well, it used to be kind of a thing, like where people got up early. And if you were the first person in stores, you'd get this free ornament or whatever. And I'm honestly like, does anyone even do physical shopping anymore on Black Friday because I hit up my online stuff, but like that's about it. So I'll probably spend most of uh, today probably putting up my planters outside, which then I'll text photos to my sisters and they'll criticize them about how they're not Christmassy enough. So it's going to be... planters up on Black Friday? Well, you know, like decorating for Christmas, okay. like doing my Christmas decor, which involves my outdoor decorations, which is very stressful to me. And then I just get criticized. So I'm like, what's the point? We'll post pictures <laughs> sorry, of Lisa's sorry, outside sorry, decorations sisters, online. <laughs> and the show notes, we'll link over to those so you can make affirmative comments for her. Please <laughs> Diane, do. help her out. What are you doing? <laughs> what What does the day mean to you? This year, I'll be having Thanksgiving on Black Friday because my son's in-laws, we split the holiday back and forth. Got it. So this year, I am Thanksgiving on Black Friday. I guess that makes the plans pretty firm then. It makes it very firm. Paul, so. do you go shopping at all? I do not go shopping, but I always, I this is going to happen. Just go to drudgereport.com and you'll see the headline, Seasons Beatings, because that always happens. Every every Black Friday, they always put up that headline, you know, some guy getting knocked over in his search for TV. Uh-huh. You know, that's yes. this. But yeah. two things happen on our Black Friday. First is my wife and I always argue about the getting the Christmas tree. She wants to get it early. I hate to get it early. I refuse to get a live tree you know, before like the first week of December. So we'll have that discussion and she'll call me a Scrooge and all that. And then uh, I'll make pumpkin bread because that's what my dad always did the Friday after Thanksgiving. Multiple loaves that give out to the neighbors. You freeze it and then you have your your Christmas gift for your neighborhood. Yeah, that's a good idea. A peace offering, it sounds like, for not getting a tree. I think so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We do get the tree. And, yeah. and actually, we've started to go out and pick out the tree, tag it, and uh-huh. then go back and get it. Okay. So it's a little bit of a compromise. It sounds like it. Yeah. It sounds like you better make a loaf of pumpkin bread for his wife as a peace offering. She doesn't even like pumpkin bread. <laughs> oh. This is true. She actually doesn't like pumpkin bread. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to let Black Friday stand in the way of a meaningful podcast. So um, we're going to revisit the first Christmas story as we did in the first episode, discussing how it impacts us today. And last week, we covered Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 38. We're going to continue in that chapter now with verses 39 through 56, as read by our very own Kristen Anderson. Hi, 
my name is Kristen Anderson. Join me today as we read Luke 1, 39 through 56 from the English Standard Version of the Bible. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained there about three months and returned to her home. Well, it really is amazing to think about how Mary praised God as she was waiting for that promise to be fulfilled. And as Lisa noted in an earlier episode, that was a long time of waiting in a season where God hadn't said anything to the people for 400 years. Uh, So, Lisa, Diane, Paul, this incredible passage kind of points us toward worshiping God as we wait on him. The encouragement we find there is what, Diane? It seems like your whole life you're waiting for something. You know, you're waiting, I'm going to get married. You're waiting for children. You're waiting a job, a house to travel. Um, Mary's waiting had to have been mixed with joy, with sorrow, with fear. The mother of God, am I going to be a good mom? I mean, what if he disobeys? How am I going to handle this situation? Um, She didn't know what was going to happen. So within waiting, there's this stressful feeling and how it's like, how do I trust God to have peace in the midst of my waiting. And for me, waiting is without tapping your foot. You just have to be um, at calm. Mm -hmm. And that can only be like something that God gives us. And I think we all are in a stage of waiting for something. And Mary, I, I just think, wow, she had to go through the same thing we're going through. Yeah, I think also, um, I think of, you know, how people use the word hope, because I think this passage is about hope. And some people will very, in in a cavalier fashion, say, you know, well, I hope this turns out, or I hope this happens, or whatever. But I feel like this is speaking more to really Mary saying the object of her hope, which is God himself. And that means it is an active waiting. And so she can wait because she's waiting on God. She can wait expectantly. And uh, I like the way that Tim Keller says it, or at least I've heard him say it, that the amount of faith that you have is not as important as the object of your faith. And when we have the object of our faith as God himself, then we truly can wait expectantly and know that he, again, uh, we can entrust the, the future to him, and that's exactly what she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like we wait on stuff mm-hmm. w- rather than waiting on him. Mm-hmm. 
good observation, Paul. Yeah, no, I love all that you just said. And and I'm struck by just how gracious she was through the whole thing. I mean, just the Magnificat as its pure literature, it's like this beautiful, gracious passage. And one other thing strikes me, and I know I have this, I, I walk this line carefully. I, I grew up a Catholic, and so I know I'm, you know, I'm an evangelical. But one thing that I that strikes me at Christmas and, and as we honor Mary for carrying Jesus and giving birth and graciously accepting it is sometimes I think evangelicals tend to shy away from her because there is in some traditions too much emphasis, even adoration of Mary. But I mean, you're talking about the mother of Jesus. And I think that warrants extra attention and extra honor. And so even for those people who have come uh, transitioned from, say, the Catholic tradition to a more evangelical tradition, I think it's it's okay, uh, and it's a good reminder to uh, to celebrate her as well as giving thanks for Jesus's birth. Well, some great thoughts from you all, and I hope that as you've listened, maybe God has spoken to you and said, "Here's what I want you to wait on. Trust me, not the circumstances, not what you can do in this. Trust me." Uh, there's great affirmation there. Now, last time we heard from several of our broadcast guests and staff members about how they first learned uh, about the Christmas story growing up. Today, uh, how they view the story of Jesus' birth now as an adult. Uh, Here's Georgia Dunham, followed by a number of other staff members here at Focus and some friends of the ministry. I get emotional pretty much every Christmas surface. Like, I can't make it through without crying just because it is just this huge thing where you're like, I just can't believe that the God of the universe would take on flesh and in such a vulnerable way too, to be, to become a child when you are the all-powerful God of the universe is just insane to me. And it just makes me emotional because I'm like, man, like to go through childbirth, to not just come down and be this baby, you know, to, to go through the gruesome part of childbirth too, not just becoming a baby, but living in the womb of a woman. It's just insane. So I think that's kind of my framework now is that I obviously know that he's the most important thing um, and the most important thing, not just for Christmas, but through the entire year. But when you're a kid, I definitely feel like I didn't fully look into the deeper meaning of it. You know, like I just... I knew the story, I knew that Jesus was born in a manger, and that he was here on earth, and he died, and I don't want to say that was that, but kind of, because, you know, as you mature in your faith, it becomes something completely new to you, because as I got older, it's, you know, I I was listening to this speaker the other day. And it really hit me. His words were so impactful because we were talking about Jesus's time on earth and how important it was that he was here because we might not be able to relate to an almighty God, but we can relate to another human in the flesh. And so that gave us a way to connect with him So his point kind of was that we have all of this documentation in the Bible of all of Jesus's life or most of it and how it's important to not only focus on everything that he did, but his mindset and how he acted 
and you know what prompted him to act in ways that he did and all of his examples of parables that he gives and that's made a really big impact on me recently like oh my goodness I don't even have to try to match his actions necessarily because you know I have him in my heart and that's the best way to be able to relate I guess. For me the light really came on after I actually heard and believed in the gospel and that was in college. It was just a long time of me just thinking oh yeah you know Jesus died and that saves you. I didn't understand how or anything but that was what I was taught. And, you know, I was a good little noodle, so I was going to believe it. Um, you know, when the, when the gospel really pierced my heart, that really just changed my appreciation for, for the Christmas story. Because it wasn't just Jesus coming down in order that he would eventually accomplish the crucifixion and, and the salvation of man, you know, but it was something so much more important. It, sh- it really just, I just realized how much it showed God's love for us you know you you, I mean you see I've got my my Bible here and I'm just going to read from Philippians 2 real quick it says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Knowing the significance of that now just makes the Christmas story just, it makes it so much more beautiful because it's God who's saying, I love humanity so much that I'm going to empty myself and become a servant and become like them so that, not just so that I can dwell with them, but so that I can die for them. It's hard to grasp how beautiful that is. As a kid, I really had the point of view that it was this very jolly, bright and happy Christmas tale. You know, there's Christmas lights everywhere and presents and, you know, all is calm, all is bright. and It's very sweet and peaceful. So I always saw it as a very upbeat and fun experience, I guess, and story, which I really loved as a kid. And... I really loved Christmas time because it really felt like the one time of year when people were intentionally kind to each other and wanted to serve and just really focus on community and putting aside their differences. And so I loved that aspect of it. And now as an adult, I definitely see it differently. I think I have a more realistic point of view of it, of really looking at what was actually happening during that time period and what would it realistically have looked like to give birth in a barn with absolutely no experience of what's going on and to be running for your life suddenly and so I love how it transitioned and it still is a very fun and lighthearted time of year but it's got more meaning to it I would say at this point. Since I've grown up more I have come to love Easter and Good Friday in particular, a lot more than Christmas. Not because I devalue Christmas in any way, but um, I feel like Good Friday and Easter are just like, that is the reason he came. And so Christmas is always the precursor, like God became man. He is super humble. 
and we rejoice in the fact that he did come. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He submitted to his father's will, so that's awesome. Um, but I think since I've grown up, I've begun to see the beauty in Easter more since I valued Christmas so much as a kid. As an adult, one of the things that I love about my wife's family is that before we open Christmas presents each year when we gather, we always read the Christmas story um, and spend some time talking about it because I think in our culture, it's so easy to have Christmas just be about consumerism. Um, and my mother-in-law in particular, her name is Judy. She does a great job of, of really trying to remind us that Christmas wasn't initially about everybody getting cool presents, right? It, it's, it's about the ultimate gift. It's about Christ coming for us. And uh, my wife works in a church as well, so I still have that very deep association of the Christmas story with being in church because we're at a big church and so sometimes we'll be at three or four services so again i think for me the christmas story is is very very much interwoven with family and with being involved with the church as a kid i thought a lot about christmas as a time to get things a time to get presents a time for santa claus and when I found out that Santa wasn't real, it really rocked my world. Um, and I really felt a loss of hope. And I feel so sad to even admit that. But um, I had just kind of lost the real meaning of Christmas at that time. It was a lot more about me and what I could get. And now I'm just so grateful that... Christmas is about so much more than that. It's not about a man who visits once a year and gives you these things that will only, you know, satisfy you for a short time, but rather it's about Emmanuel, God with us. That's one of my favorite names for God, and we really see that around Christmas time, and um, just really grateful for the gift that goes a lot further than just once a year and that God dwells with us. He did in that time. He's reigning still today and that we have an everlasting hope and it's far, far better than any sort of magic that I used to, you know, kind of put my hope in as a child. When you're a kid, it is so much, you know, you know, when you're a churchy kid, and I was a churchy kid, you absorb the story of Jesus, right? You, you participate in the, in the nativity plays, you, you go to church every, you know, all the time you are hearing about, about that story. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily sink in as much as a lot of the superficial stuff does. As a kid, you know, you're always excited about the presents. You always like the stockings, the cookies, the candy, all that sort of stuff. Obviously, you mature a little bit as an adult, and uh, I do find that I still really dig presents. I have to, I have to tell you the truth. It is kind of nice to to get the presents, but I think the thing that that I am reminded of more and more um, as I get older is just the power of the Christmas story and it's the way it lands in the year. 
You know, I was thinking about this actually in the on the on the way into work, where I was thinking about uh, just how you know in, in the very beginning of the Bible you hear uh, how the world was dark, a void, uh, and then all of a sudden God says, "Let there be light." Um, I've always found that there was a power in the fact that that Christmas takes place so close to the darkest time of the year, and the idea of sort of the contrast between the Old Testament, let there be light, that literal light, and then you contrast that with the New Testament where all of a sudden the light comes into the world at the darkest time. Um, It also is kind of significant to me that it takes place at the beginning of winter. You know, the winter isn't over when we celebrate Christmas. It's just the beginning of it. And for me, as an adult, it reminds me that we have this hope of the light. That doesn't mean that we don't have to deal with darkness and coldness and and the suffering that sometimes we do, Uh, but there's that hope of the light, and I find that pretty significant. You think about the time that Christ was born, right? It was a it was a dark time for a lot of people. You know, it was it was the Roman Empire was controlling everything. There was a lot of a lot of strife, especially within that realm. Um, and to have that sense of light that comes into the world is is kind of amazing in their time. And and I think we need it especially in ours. You know, we are we are dealing with some really we are dealing with some very difficult times, and I don't think that that's a secret to anybody. Uh, but when we think about Christmas, it's the reminder that we've been given, you know, the greatest gift of all, that we have, that we have a light that can come into our world in, in a very, very dark time. And that's encouraging to me. I so appreciate those perspectives that we've heard, and we're going to transition now to some broadcast guests and how their perspectives of the season might have changed now that they're adults, maybe because of their kids. We'll start off with Deborah Fileta, followed by Allison Pittman, Kay Wyma, and Josh Straub. Christmas story really, to me, is about shining a light in the darkness and trying to show that truth to my kids. I mean, Jesus coming down as a little baby, the most vulnerable position in order to set people free and break chains and bring healing and hope. And I really want to pass that idea along to them. One of my kids said to me once, you know, if it's Jesus's birthday, why are we the one getting presents? (laughs) And I think there's something really true about sometimes we make Christmas about us rather than making it about Jesus and rather than making it about the gospel and, and sharing with others and shining a light in the dark places and seeing our role in that. And so, of course, we try to, to strike that balance with our kids of enjoying the festivities of the season, but always remembering what it's really about. And that's bringing hope to a, a dark world. I think it's changed because for one thing, it, once you're grown up and that I'm married and I'm the mom and I'm responsible for Christmas. I'm responsible for the making the list and doing a lot of the shopping and a lot of the preparation. And um, the Christmas story, when we really get down to the, the original, it's quiet and it's contemplative. 
and I have a beautiful nativity set that my grandmother made. And um, when I was little, it was like a huge honor to get to help my mother put up this nativity set. Everything is wrapped in cloth. Everything is stored perfectly. And when I inherited it, it's all the pieces are wrapped in the same cloth. It's, it's stored in the same box. But I feel this responsibility, not only for, for it as a, you know, as a memento and as a, a family heirloom, but just a, responsible, a responsibility for keeping that aspect of Christmas alive. So you have to find those quiet times. And it, there's no, I, I always think there's no noise really associated with that original story. That's where you can really just focus and have quiet. And that's important to find during those busy days. Yeah, I do see it so much differently. And the interesting thing about it is that is the life that it really offers. And with our kids, we've, we've, um, we've definitely put at the forefront the meaning of Christmas and this beautiful gift that the Lord has given us. And that it isn't just a season, a seasonal aspect, but it really is all through the year. And in that, uh, we've, I hope that it's been meaningful enough to them. And I think it is because they never focus on um, what they want. They're so much happier when, um, like, you know, happier and peaceful when it's more about what they're doing for the others, if it's for each other. And it's been fun to watch them as they grow, really care a lot more about what is important to the people that are around them. And I hope it's taken our eyes to a place of thankfulness, which I think helps you to experience wholeness in the holiday season. If you can at least begin thankful for all that you have, rather than wishing for things that you don't and the contentment that comes, because I think sometimes a season like that breeds um, like, like Christmas and breeds comparison and these expectations and those are so painful on the other side because often you don't measure up to whatever it is that you wanted and the disappointment that comes or even relationship issues that sort of tend to flare around the holidays. It's just been amazing to me when you can focus on the peace that our resurrected Savior offered us and continues to offer, my peace be with you, and to be able to hold on to that and to lean into these phenomenal opportunities you have around the Christmas season to give to the people that are around you, even if it's your neighbors. One of the most significant pieces for me through the years has been, I wanted to make sure for my kids that they heard the right story. Um, there's been a lot of, you know, cultural implications and narratives that have, you know, weaved their way into the Christmas story. And so, for me, even going back to those that feeling of connection, that, that, that feeling of community, that feeling of hope, you know, studying the scriptures and understanding Jesus coming and his name literally meaning Emmanuel, God with us, so much of that spirit of hope and joy and connectedness, I believe, is a result of him being with us, present in a very real way when we invite him into our lives and we invite his presence and we celebrate him and we celebrate his birth. And so 
we're very aware of that and we teach our kids that that they have access to Jesus every single day and so God sending his son to be born in a manger we get to celebrate we get we get to celebrate his birthday uh, we hold, we hold a birthday party for Jesus each year at Christmas time where we celebrate his coming his first coming and then we just teach our kids the, the power of him being with us as we await his second coming. I really appreciate the insights and perspectives from Josh Straub about uh, teaching his kids regarding Christmas. And as we've been hearing from so many guests and staff members about their perspective of Christmas, I'll turn it to my friends here in the studio. Uh, some of the ways maybe that your Christmas perspectives have shifted over the years, Paul? Yeah, when I was a kid, Christmas seemed to take forever to come, right? <laughs> yes. And and now it just is in the blink of an eye. So uh, whereas I would want Christmas to come quicker as a kid, now I want it to slow down. I want to enjoy the season. And then when Christmas was over as a kid, there was always this letdown. Now uh, there's no letdown. There's an appreciation for what we just celebrated and um, just a uh, uh, kind of a, just a special time with family that you don't appreciate when you're a kid. I found that I've slowed down also on the amount of cookies that I make, the amount of decorations that I put up, because it's not about all of that or making your house a showcase, but it's really, truly about the birth of Christ and the whole reason that he came. And that little nativity set still goes up. That was my mom's. It's um, it's over 70 years old. And I don't. I look at it with this fond memory of a child, but recognizing that those figures mean so much more than a little toy that I played around with. But it meant eternity and a salvation and a sacrifice that was made for us. Hmm. I am, I, well, Easter is my favorite holiday. And so I can never look at Christmas without looking at Easter. And I think whereas a kid, you know, it was so easy to just talk about the baby Jesus and the animals and whatever. I'm actually now reading uh, currently the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, And I've really appreciated the picture of Jesus. One of the things I just read is how he is fully God and fully man. And I think this picture of Jesus as like, you know, he was a crying baby. He was a teen, probably with acne. He was a guy, you know, I talk to young adults every day who, you know, no girl wanted to date him. We know that <laughs> scripture says he wasn't anything to look at and he had no form that we would be drawn to him and stuff. Um, he was tempted in every way, but he was without sin. And so, and hence, um, fully God in that. And so, but yet he was completely on mission and, you know, one that only he and the father understood, but it was a mission that ultimately uh, affects our eternities. And so I think as I tie these two holidays together, it's very important for me to think of like, my goodness, like we're getting closer every day. And so this story will ultimately be fulfilled and it'll be neat for it to be, you know, the beginning of the story, the end of the story. We're right now in the middle of it. And so I'm just waiting for, for that story to finish. Hmm. Well, I think a lot of us experience this where it's about the gifts and it's, it's about the day and the memories and somewhere along the way as we become adults, uh, it becomes more than that. And uh, certainly you've touched on the theology and the aspects of Jesus' divinity and why he came. And I would say I've made the shift from um, being young and immature and thinking about the gifts that I'm getting or the gifts I'm giving and how they're received and 
my emphasis now is on God, and he is uh, the focal point of my life in a way that I, I've not experienced prior to this. I'm sure in 10 years I'll say it's a better walk and a deeper walk even now than it is compared to previously. I've so appreciated this time with you all, and um, I'm glad that you've joined us for this podcast and want to encourage you to get a copy of the book from Josh and Christy Straub. It's called 25 Days of the Christmas Story, an Advent Family Experience. Now, we have that here at the ministry. We're making it available to you for a gift of any amount. So donate today. Make podcasts like this possible. Partner with Focus as we help families um, one family at a time. Uh, we reach around the world. We have so many resources. Uh, donate today. We'll send that book by the Straubs to you. Uh, the link is in the show notes. And then uh, as the Advent season officially begins this weekend, this Sunday, we have a number of free resources that our parenting department has put together. Links to all of those, including a downloadable Advent calendar, a weekly devotional uh, for you to enjoy with your family this season. Uh, we'll link over to all of that in the show notes. Next time, we'll be thinking through a little bit more the birth of John the Baptist and his role in heralding the Messiah. For now, on behalf of Diane Angolia, Lisa Anderson, and Paul Batura, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Christmas Stories podcast. It's great.